0: AM 970 presents
1: Actually, it is uh, the co-host or the guest co-host with Dottie Herman, whose voice you'll hear in just a moment. My name is Michael Harrison. It's my privilege to uh, serve on this very special 9/11 installment of Eye on Real Estate as uh, the guest co-host with Dottie, and uh, also, of course, uh, the the cast of experts that make this show so special. The probably the only. A program on talk radio in America, totally devoted to real estate and every aspect of it. Takes calls from listeners at 866 970 9622 and answers all your questions about the world of real estate uh, from uh, residential to commercial, from mortgages, insurance, uh, and uh, just about every other aspect of it. So, uh, but nine eleven being a very special day, this program does emanate from New York City. As a matter of fact, our studios are not that far from uh, Ground Zero. And uh, we will be talking uh, a lot about that. Um, We will be joined momentarily by Steve Ebert, a partner at uh, Kaysen & Kaysen LLP. Uh, They are specialists in real estate. They have offices in Manhattan, Westchester, Daleks, and Phoenix, and he'll be with us in a moment. And um, we'll have Ace with us from Citizens uh, Bank um, in in the next half hour. He'll be joining us then. And uh, Citizens Bank has the name Citizens because that's why the bank was founded, to help citizens, regular people like you, like me, not just big corporations. Operations and uh, you can reach them anytime at their website, citizensbank.com or 1-800-922-9999. Dottie Herman, how are you feeling? I understand you're a bit under the weather. matter of fact, I heard the word pneumonia. Are you okay?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm okay. I guess I was walking around with it. And then I thought maybe I had COVID or something or a strep oh throat because I couldn't swallow. And uh, I went to the urgent care and uh, they said... No, you don't have a strap and you don't have COVID. You have pneumonia. So I am uh, hopefully, well, you know, just taking, you know, antibiotics and stuff. And I'm sure I'll you know, with a little rest. I'll be okay in a couple of days, hopefully.
1: Well, you know, you're a trooper, and uh, I admire you for that. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here on this special program. But uh, just, you know, cruise through it a little bit. You know the old joke. I guess it's a joke. They, uh, they can't cure the common cold, but they can cure pneumonia. So, hopefully, um, you'll hopefully. be on the road. Yeah, you'll be on the hey. road. You sound great. Your voice sounds fine. But
2: so. thank you, Michael. And like you always tell, I've heard you say it a million times. I'm here because I really, you know, have you. And I, I certainly don't, you know, really didn't have to be on the phone. But I'm passionate about this program. I'm passionate about radio. And I'm passionate about all our listeners. And it's 9-11. So, I'll, I'll do the best I can. But you're in control,
1: well, I'll do my best I can, and uh, the next thing to do is so that the regular listeners know that uh, the gang's all here. Steve Ebert of uh, Casein and and Case LLP, a superb uh, real estate mind in the legal profession. Steve, it's nice to uh, to work with you today.
3: Likewise, I'm so glad he can be here for this, you know, special, um, you know, day. It's a day of remembrance, and like you know so many things that it is on our minds and how it really ties into you know how we live and how we work which is really what the show is about so really appreciate that we could honor this day with your presence
1: One of the things that I um, have heard and watched, um, I've had a lot of uh, experience in terms of my business, which is more in the broadcasting end of things, and my interest in iron real estate um, over the long time, over 10 years Dottie's been doing this show, is that um, it's a major broadcasting um, entity as well as a major real estate um, platform, uh, is that the neighborhood in um, Lower Manhattan – prior to 9-11, was basically a business section. And you you correct me if I'm wrong, because you you know more about this than I do. And that uh, one of the things to, I don't want to say one of the good things, but let's just say with every bad thing comes rebirth. Uh, One of the good things to happen in lower Manhattan has been since 9-11, it has become more of a full-dimensional neighborhood with a mixture of business and residencies, whereas before they used to roll the the, the sidewalks up at night. Am I correct in that observation?
3: You're absolutely right and and that's really the story of New York. It is a constant story of adaptation and reinvention and that happened down uh, in Lower Manhattan. And I'll say one small personal story. One of the first law firms that I worked at as a young attorney was over on Maiden Lane and the law firm owned the building and it's a complete um, law office building and you know it was it was a center during 9 11 when people actually came in with everything that was going on the destruction well that building has now been turned into a residential rental apartment and I like to joke you know you know my office is now somebody's kitchen so it's really part of that constant reinvention of that neighborhood and and there is really no other place like New York and the spirit of New York really manifests itself in, in how the real estate in the neighborhood changes.
1: Dotty yeah. and I, yeah, Dotty and I often talk about how um, uh, real estate plays such an important role in people's lives. Dotty, um, would you say that there are two types of urban areas, two types of cities? Cities that, uh, as I said before, they roll up the uh, sidewalks at night and everybody goes out to the suburbs and the bedroom communities and nothing happens after the offices close. And then those cities that are a mixture of residential and commercial and they have a a, a, sort of an extra heartbeat, a pulse that makes them special. And I think New York is the quintessential example of that. What are your thoughts, Dottie? Well, yes. Um,
2: Let me say this. As I always say, never bet against New York because, as Stephen was saying, after 9-11, people said nobody will ever live there. And certainly nobody will ever live on a high floor because obviously the World Trade Center was the highest building. Um, And if you look at that area now, it's probably one of the most expensive areas in Manhattan. And everyone rebuilt it. And New Yorkers said, "You know, we're not moving. You know, we're not leaving." And we were expecting a second terrorist attack, and nobody would leave. They're resilient. And that area now—I mean, the more, the higher the floor, the more money you make, the more money it goes for. So it just goes to show you um, that how resilient New York is and how people have short memories. I also say that about waterfront and oceanfront when there's a hurricane. They say, oh, no one's ever going to live on the water anymore. Well, if you're a water lover, you will. So we're really proud of New Yorkers and New York. And um, if I can say one thing, and I'll give it back to you, for every bad thing, I always try to find something good that comes out of it. And as tragic as 9-11 was, in my memory, and in my lifetime, and I hope I get to see it again before I die. Um, it was the first time in my lifetime that I saw everybody, any American, I don't care what state they were from, what color, what creed, what what religion, everybody was united. They just looked at each other, and if you were American, I mean, we were just all one, and you know, there were flags, cars, and the music would play, you know, "God Bless America" and things that you know we might have learned in school when we were little, but we didn't pay much attention to it. Well, I would tears would roll. So I hope that somehow, some way, we all get together again. Like that was a wonderful thing that came out of that, and I think we need that now.
1: So I think what you said be- is very important. I, I think you nailed it right on. You, you hit the nail right on the head. And um, many people thought and were hopeful that um, perhaps a positive could have come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, and I, I guess there are all kinds of nuances and complexities involved in that subject. Unfortunately, instead of coming together in our war against a microscopic uh, virus, it has further separated us. So. Uh, there's so many, so many angles to all of this. Steve, uh, I understand you You are the parent of uh, school-age children. Uh, have you found that it's amazing, you know, 20 years goes by, 20 years, you know, and as you get older, 20 years has a whole different significance than it did when you were a teenager or when you were in your 20s. And that we who were adults during 9-11 now say wow we're getting old but more so isn't it shocking when you realize that today's young we have generations of young adults who were either born you know right after nine eleven, 11 and they have no memory of it or they were born since nine eleven, and it, it's a it, it's a whole different perspective what, what's your view of that
3: well you know it, it's 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 odd sometimes like you you don't like to think of your life as sort of a historical event you know i was talking to one of my colleagues on her birthday um, is actually 9-11. And she was in college at the time. And, you know, it was, you know as, as many college students kind of woke up late on her birthday and, um, you know, and didn't even realize what was going on and the idea that, you know, your life becomes a portion of history. You know, but it's interesting when talking to children and, and you know, and, and I do have three young kids um, and, you know, it, it wasn't really actually much discussed in the classroom. Um, and maybe there is a concern with elementary school kids that maybe being able to process it. But that is something that is really so important, how we discuss our history and, owner, and, and, and remember our history. Because really, remembrance is a great ray of respect and observance of that event. And I, I think even though, it, you know, even for a young kid, it's very scary that something like this could happen. And to understand and make them recognize that even though this happened, not to worry if a parent's going to work. Um, There is much to be learned on how to really live one's life and move forward. And and what the average New Yorker did, let alone first responders and our military intelligence, um, was really a true act of of a testament to, to the strength of our country and our people.
1: Mm. Uh, full disclosure: I'm not usually one to tout my own birthday, but ironically, um, yeah. it's so profound <laughs> that I will mention it. Today's my birthday too, and um,
2: happy birthday! Uh, thank
1: you. Uh, did you did you arrange for a cake? No, oh, I didn't. Oh goodness! All right. Well, I, I should have, have had one. <laughs> but um it's funny I, I thought
3: I thought the present was our presence on the show together.
1: Yes indeed. Yeah. I, 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 I am I am I am not expecting any <laughs> goodies whatsoever. Of course, if we were all together in the same room, that might be a different story. But the reason I bring it up is just a personal anecdote is that when this thing first happened, they didn't call it nine eleven. Um, they 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 called it the attack. Uh, on the, the World Trade Center. They, they called it all kinds of things. And then, as the days, and then there was Operation whatever the military response was. But all of a sudden, I started to notice a couple of days into it that uh, in the news they were referring to it to, as nine eleven, And we all know our birthday by its month and its date, right? I mean, bingo, you just yeah. know it. You, you say it all the time. And I, I, I said I, I said to my family and the people around me, what the heck is going on here? They're ruining my birthday. They're calling it 9 And now to every time, you know, when you go to the doctor, you go someplace, what's your birthday? They go nine eleven. 11 They look at me like, you know, Ooh, are you a terrorist or something? It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. So when you said Steve, you know somebody well, no, birthday we'll was you
3: yeah. oh,
1: well, that's it, another it, thing. I can't tell you how many people remember my birthday now because of that. I okay, know uh, that's but, good news.
2: Uh, I mean, but, it, like I stopped but, counting birthdays, but if you want your birthday, no one's going to ever forget it. So nine eleven, yeah, is bigger than well, your birthday.
1: Steve, you know, I would say. Yeah.
3: If I can say three things, just on on the data, maybe this gives you a little bit of solace on it. You know, coincidentally, uniquely, karmically, however, what adjective you want to put on it, there are three things about nine eleven which fascinating. One, we had two beautiful buildings, two twin towers, and it's interesting. The one, the eleven, very much looks like those two buildings in the right font. Yeah. Yeah. Wow!
2: And,
1: and it's also, been used in logos. Say,
3: yeah, and I would say also. When you think of nine one one, of course, you're calling a first responder for an emergency, right? And in a in a sort of odd way, it, it sort of honors those first responders who gave their lives and rushed into the buildings and you know help help people out. Um, and yeah. so it's really you know quite something as a way to remember. But also, it's interesting how there's a uniquely American perspective due to this. Right. If you go to certain countries, they say the month before the year, uh, excuse me, the month before the day or at other places, the day before the month. Right. So in the, some the parts day. Yeah. The world,
1: yeah. The day it would be 11, 11 9, 9, not 9, 11. Right.
3: And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It, it leads to one's perspective. There is a unique perspective as Americans and as New Yorkers there on the ground that while from other people perspective from far away, not that they weren't concerned or outraged, but. There's a bit of a difference when it's your hometown, when you're right there, and what you can see. Just a few has, things. To put in
1: has has nine eleven? Has the the post nine eleven world? You've obviously been practicing law and real estate um, for for a while. You, you I, I I don't want to make any assumption about you because you and I have never met in person. But you were you practicing law? Were you a a, a lawyer back on that fateful day, nine eleven two thousand one? Were you, were you- I
3: was, and and it was it was interesting because I actually had a day off. So I worked not only as a lawyer, um, a lawyer who was involved in real estate finance transactions, um, a lot having to do with lending programs that turned into mortgage-backed securities, residential and commercial, which is interesting comment, which happened a few years later. Um, and what happened was, I was actually – the reason I had the day off, I was going back to work on September the 12th, was that my sister, who worked for a a global corporation, had a business trip in Rome. And her husband – and she could bring somebody. Her husband couldn't make it, so she said, do you want to come? I said, great. I can take the days off. And I flew back on September the 9th from Italy. And I remember saying, well, there are a few things I needed to do, so I also – took off the 10th and the 11th with the idea of coming back to work on the 12th. And I remember just trying to reach my colleagues because our office was very, very close to Trinity Church, which is the famous church, for those who have seen pictures, very close to the World Trade Center, which was covered with dust and debris, but not damaged after 9-11. And what happened, we had a very large cafeteria, so people who didn't know where to go, the office became one of the centers where people could get food, get cloths to sort of cover their eyes and face, because the amount of dust and debris that was there was just an inordinate amount. And I just couldn't reach anybody, but I remember talking to colleagues, you know, afterwards and said, we were in the office and it was dark as night. There was no lights, there was nothing outside. And it was just, you know, a cloud of dust and you would all of a sudden not see anything and then once in a while, five minutes later, a piece of paper would fly up against the window and then would mm. disappear. And now yeah. you were in complete in a complete void outside of your building. You had no idea what was going on. Amazing. And, and the phone lines and, and, didn't and the phone lines didn't work. I, I was no. trying to call the office, couldn't get through, nothing. Everyone was
2: worried. You know, you weren't allowed to go there, and I had this need. I was in the city. I, um, I had this need to be there, to be right at 9-11, and at the time, um, the furthest that you would be able to go was Canal Street. So the cabs would take you to Canal Street, and that was it. You couldn't go any further. And um, they had three checkpoints, and I guess if you were the press, you were the only ones that were allowed. So I took this person that worked for me at the time and i said just follow my lead and i walked in and and when i hit the checkpoints i i showed my license not not a press id but i was very confident about i was said it and i passed three checkpoints and i got to 911 i have pictures and i stood in a Ralph Lauren store that was directly across from 911 and the Ralph Lauren show was so eerie because everything, all the jeans and all the shirts, everything was totally in place. Not a thing was out of place, but there was just loads of dust and soot. And there were signs all over for people looking for each other. And then I look across to the World Trade Center, which was like really a hole. And Steve mentioned, Stephen mentioned Trinity Church, which is a church right next to there. Everything was bombed out. And then there was this little church.
1: Wow, yeah, so such a, a, a powerful scene. Started. Powerful scene. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, it's Michael Harrison guest hosting with Dottie, and uh, Steve Ebert is with us. We'll be joined later by Ace, and uh, we have a very special guest in the 11 o'clock hour. So, more's coming your way. I'm Michael Harrison, guest hosting with Dottie Herman, and this is I On Real Estate.
4: This year, to mark 20 years since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is giving 200 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. In a moving tribute to the fallen, the foundation's chairman and CEO, Frank Siller, walks for the month of August through to September 11th from the Pentagon to Shanksville, Pennsylvania and on to Ground Zero. The Foundation is bringing back Towers of Light to memorials at the Pentagon and reading aloud the names of service members we lost in the war on terror on Veterans Day. Help this nation to never forget its greatest heroes. Do good in their honor. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at... T2T.org. That's T, the number two. T.org. T2T.org.
5: We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day to day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a 3 o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling one 800 2468 and use discount code the answer.
4: As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and out all day long, made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you want to get some for the whole family 800-651-0798 use that promo code joe p or go to mypillow.com click on the radio listener square and use the promo code joe p you will also get deep discounts on all my pillow products including the giza dream bed sheets the my pillow mattress topper and my pillow towel sets 800-651-0798 promo code joe p
5: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
0: Skilled trade workers are the backbone of every community and also the Army National Guard. Soldiers trained to keep the power flowing, engines running, and in every other trade needed to accomplish the mission. These soldiers are on the fast track to learning skills that can set them up for success at home with companies looking to hire the best. Their resumes are being built through their pay training and part-time service. Find out how you too can learn a trade profession by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association
6: and this station. Hi, I'm Kevin McCullough.
4: I'm Christine Nicholas.
6: Coming up September 17th, we are going to broadcast for Broadway.
2: At the Hunt and Fish Club. At 125 West 44th Street, we hope that you'll join us for a two-hour special live presentation about Broadway coming back.
6: Make your reservations by claiming your table right now. 347-625-1220. 347-625-1220. 347-625-1220. Or go online to opentable.com and reserve your table today.
0: It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman.
1: And it is you're just joining us, uh, Dottie Herman is here, but Michael Harrison, that's me. Guest hosting with her this week as uh, Dottie is uh, on remote and uh, on the phone and um, nursing uh, a, a small case of pneumonia, and yet she's here with us. Dottie, how you holding up?
2: I'm hanging up. Uh-
1: you sound good, actually. Um, I mean, being on the air, gives it's its sort of like a shot of adrenaline, isn't it? it, it isn't it amazing how our body responds to something um, such as doing a radio show when you're feeling under the weather, you kind of pull it together? I hope that's the case with you today. Well,
2: my whole life, I guess I've had to always pull it together, so I'm
1: used to it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that makes you at least a, an interesting person. With Dottie is uh, Steve Ebert. He is a partner at the law firm of uh, Karen, uh, Kasson & is it is it Karen or Casson? I'm I i can not read my own writing. Casson and Casson, yeah, Casson yeah. and Casson. Yep. and uh, you guys have offices all over the place: Manhattan, Westchester, Dallas, Phoenix. Do you ever have to go out to the Dallas and Phoenix office?
3: Um, well, that does happen a little bit less traveling at the moment with, uh, right. with COVID. But what's what's amazing in this kid's perspective, while we're we're founded in New York and the firm actually celebrated its 35th anniversary this past spring um, from its founding. Um, the, um, it's truly a national law firm, and we have even work in all, all you know, almost every U.S. state, and even some of the territories, and, and clients around the world. So it's really an exciting place to be, and can really help out a
1: lot of people. How does how does living and working for a person who's interested in real estate, and you know, the uh, the key people in any real estate deal is the realtor, uh, the mortgage person, the lawyer and uh, the insurance people who will be talking to an insurance expert in the next hour. Um, how how does the New York, the tri-state area, the listening area, this the primary listening area of this show, how does it compare from a standpoint of the legal aspects of doing this business of real estate to other parts of the country? Is it, um, is it a good place to do business, bad place to do business per real estate? What are your thoughts, Steve?
3: Well, it's an exciting, it's a fast-paced, play- and it's also a more complicated place to do business. Um, you know, the expectations are high, which, um, you know, we're, we're very happy to meet. You have people from really all over the country coming in. You know, the vast majority of people end up living where near where they were born, but in New York, really, were are more of the exception. So I have had clients from basically every state in the country, probably from about, maybe 50 different foreign countries from around the world buying. And they bring their different cultures, their different experiences, and part of it is an education. And while with a first-time buyer, you tend to have more of a clean slate, you have people who have said, look, I've, I've done 100 deals before, and I did it here in this country and in that state. And being able to politely and properly maybe reorient them a little bit to understand real estate is the most local thing you could do and understanding the nuances of the local market and making them also understand the roles of the parties because what certain parties do in different states can really vary. One little example, when you do a title search in New York, you usually get back 40, 50 pages. Other parts of the country, it's only 10 pages. Well, we're a little bit more detailed and check certain things that maybe in other parts of the country they don't check. So bringing that awareness What's also been interesting is I've had clients afterwards say, you know what, I'd like you to supervise my transaction I'm doing back home because I realize I'm missing a few things back there. So, so it's interesting um, how that
1: process evolves. I, I, yeah. I, I haven't bought a I haven't bought a house or a, a real estate uh, property in Florida uh, for about 20 years. Coincidentally, 20 years ago today. Um, but I was shocked when I found out you didn't need a lawyer. I wasn't encouraged that the escrow company in Florida dealt with all of those things that a lawyer normally does. I don't know if that's still the case today, but um, I it found it is.
2: That- and I it, it I, is a, yeah. It is, and I would say this: We Douglas Elliman has offices all over, and um, I've been to them all. And when you come to New York, it's a completely different ball game than the rest of the United States. Number one, we're dealing, and Steve can talk a little about that, we're dealing with co-ops, which have a whole set of rules of whether people can get in or not, and um, co-ops and condos, and there's just so many nuances, and um, it's very different. You know, it's a lot more complicated, and I never advise somebody to try to do it on their own in New York. It is very complicated.
1: I'll bet, and uh, just the differences between co-ops and condos is a whole discussion that most people don't know. Steve, you were about to say,
3: yes. You know, one of the things I'll say is, and this is where, and maybe this is my own bias as an attorney, but really what we do is we help bring certain things to come together, right? If you think about it, and let's say in your Florida example, the role of the bank is to give you mortgage loans, you have the financing to buy. The role of the real estate agent is to really gather information, get your offer accepted, make sure certain things are followed through. And the title company is to make sure that you're legally the owner and certain things like the taxes and water is paid and the mortgage is gone. But there's a whole other set of rules that are out there. If you're buying in a homeowners association, who's explaining the rules of the community you're buying into? Who's doing the due diligence to make sure that they have strong financial reserves? These are just a couple of just major questions, and what happens is in certain parts of the country, the process is very siloed between those couple of constituent parts. And really by having a lawyer, those things are put together, the gaps are filled in, and as a lawyer, it is our job to make sure the wishes of the client are properly fulfilled. And that is where we have those tough conversations to say, look, not that we don't want a transaction to happen, but it's my job to give you the good news, but also the bad news, too. For those uh,
1: listening, uh, for those who just joined us, uh, you're listening to Ion Real Estate. I'm Michael Harrison, guest hosting with Dottie Herman. And um, this is also, um, if, if you're listening on Saturday morning, it is live and it is local in New York. And it's a very special day, 9-11. Dottie, you were about to mention...
2: Yeah, and I was also going to say that in New York, um, it's almost like in Florida, the way businesses are transacted there is if you you sign the day that you see a property that you like, you sign a contract at that moment in time, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you have 48 hours or something of that nature to cancel the contract completely. Um, and most people don't use attorneys, which I advise against, but you go to contract a- as soon as the deal is accepted. And in New York, maybe, Steve, you want to explain it, It's a little bit different.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, you a- absolutely. Thank you, Donnie. Uh, you know, it's, in New York, you have a, a handshake of an offer, but then there's a due diligence period. And with the exception of of new construction, which has some different rules, and I I don't want to have the exception really lead on really how the business is generally done, in that window, until you sign that contract by both buyer and seller and tender that contract deposit, either party can walk away. And so you have a weird sort of paradox. Be thorough. Be diligent. Understand what's going on. Know what you're investing in. And at the same time, Get it done quick. You, know, you have a little bit more than a New York minute, but not a lot. So hmm. you really need somebody who's not asleep at the wheel, who doesn't have time to sort of learn on your transaction, to dive right into the deep end and get it done quickly and thoroughly at the same time.
2: And that's why I always tell people, um, don't use your son-in-law who's for free, who doesn't want, who is a divorce attorney and really doesn't want to do your deal anyway. Um, you must use a real estate attorney like Steve um, because time is of the essence. And if you don't get the contract right away, as Steven said, um, people, until you go to contract, people are still putting offers in. And so if you don't have an attorney that moves quickly, um, you could lose the deal within minutes.
1: One of the things I've noticed in terms of change over the years, and you know, we've been discussing change because, again, nine eleven uh, is sort of uh, just totally permeating all thought and conversation today in terms of live radio. But um, it seems to me, and I'm the most lay person of everybody involved in this conversation. It seems to me that more and more an area that used to be just a given when you bring in the uh, inspector and the inspector says the pipe has to be fixed and this has to be fixed and then you negotiate and it's done. That's. It seems to me, and Steve and and Dottie both chime in on this because I think it's important, hasn't this uh, process of the inspection really the final chapter of negotiation and that no matter what your deal, some people, some who may be unscrupulous or out to get every nickel they can out of the deal, isn't that a time when it's very dangerous that you might be subject to renegotiating? Steve? Well I was Apple.
2: Apple. people have an engineer's report and so if you have and I always recommend having it, but if you have an engineers report and you know, if there and I always advise someone to be there with the engineer because sometimes it's in another language and you don't understand it, and ask, because even on something right. brand new, there's always fault.
1: Steve, we're going to get your take on this as well. We're coming up on a break, and uh, it's Michael Harrison with Steve Ebert, and of course, co hosting with Dottie Herman. And we've got more coming your way on this 9 11 in New York. This is Eye on Real Estate.
4: The Tunnel to Towers Foundation helps us keep our commitment to never is honoring gold star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is paying tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and on to ground zero. More than 500 miles through six states in 42 days the month of August through 9-11 tower of light are to shine at the pentagon and shanksville memorials in remembrance the names of those we lost to 9-11 related illnesses are being read aloud at a ceremony on september 12th and on veterans day the names of all we lost in the war on terror will also be said out loud do good and help america to never forget donate 11 a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number
7: two 2085
8: Tell me why relief factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain
5: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
6: Some 20 years ago, our worst nightmares came true. That's why we will always remember. Joanne Marie Adolis. Anna S. W. Allison. James Amato. Salem Media of New York. Never forget. Always in our hearts, we choose to remember for the brighter day that's still ahead.
0: It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice
1: Chair, Dottie Herman. Actually, here's Douglas Elliman's uh, co-host uh, today, Michael Harrison. Dottie is with us, uh, Dottie Herman, and uh, attorney Steve Ebert. Later on the program, hopefully, we'll be joined by Ace uh, from Citizens Bank. And we have a special guest in the second hour, a uh, an expert on uh, real estate insurance. Uh, Peter Conte will be joining us. I cut you off. Uh, I was talking about uh, that uh, final you know, nerve-wracking chapter in a deal when uh, you're negotiating over uh, the inspection. And um, I cut you off in the uh, – you're making a point, Dottie, and then we're going to get to Steve to answer the question as well, uh, how things have changed over the years and how the inspection has become the last hurdle to deal with in terms of negotiating, especially with people who are looking to to change the deal at the last minute. Dottie, you were saying? Well,
2: that That's true, but before I, I get into that, I do want to say that when you're looking at a property in New York – Since most of the properties are co-ops or condos, you have to be able to find out, and that's where you need a real estate attorney, not just any attorney, um, that knows what can be done to a building. Because people walk into a building and think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to move this, uh, I'm going to knock this wall down the kitchen, I'm going to move the bathroom. And you're very limited. I mean, you have to really read the prospectus and know what you're able to do. Because in many co-ops and condos, you can't change many things. Um, which I don't know that people realize. I mean, if you buy a single-family home and you want to move your bathroom, you move your bathroom. Um, you can't really do that. You're limited by what the co-op or condo board says, and you're also limited into who you can, you know, you know when you want to sell a property, especially a co-op, uh, you um, you know, if the board doesn't approve of the person that you have, and you can have a seller that's offering more than full price and they have to go in front of the co-op board and do an interview, which they have courses on how to pass a co-op interview. Um, you know, if they, don't, if they find something that legally they don't like, and Steve can give you a little more about that, um, they can reject you. And Steve, maybe you could tell everyone what they can reject you on.
3: Sure. Absolutely. There's a lot that can be addressed, uh, you know, in how co-ops make their decision, and that's really been evolving. Um, But let let me first just go back for a moment just on uh, on inspection, because really, in my opinion, until a deal has closed, people can always renegotiate a deal. And I I put that in quotes, and what I mean by that is not that the contract isn't valid. The contract is the guiding instrument. But when, as the attorney, we're designing a contract, we're always trying to leave room for our clients. When I represent a seller, we always try to have as many doors closed as possible so the buyer side can't escape and create issues. And vice versa, when we represent a buyer, we're trying to create a contract out of Swiss cheese, have as many holes and escape routes as possible because you never know what the unexpected is that can happen right and in this you know and since we're since we are talking about 9 11 today in in a residential contract in new york you don't see even today after 9 11 and even in the pandemic some of the bar association forms that are out there there's no concept of what we call a material adverse change where there's something so dramatic outside of the transaction that could really alter the economics of the transaction. And so, you know, when, when COVID started coming up, we made some alterations to the contract and our riders, but even without these major significant outside events, one still has to be careful. There's both the inspection before the contract is signed. And that is how New York generally does it. You do your inspection before you sign the contract. I know in other jurisdictions, Like New Jersey, for example, right next door, they do it the other way. You sign and then you have a window to renegotiate and come to terms again or right to cancel. But then also you're doing that final inspection right before the date of closing. And depending upon how things are written, there's definitely some wiggle room. And sometimes parties try to use that as an opportunity to renegotiate. But it's Hmm. very important that there's precision and a sense of the facts that are going on. And to just add another complicating factor to it, you know, when you throw in condominiums and co-ops as opposed to a single-family home, you now have the extra layer of, is it the, the issue that we're discussing as to a condition, is it the responsibility of the apartment owner, is it the responsibility of a neighbor, or is it the responsibility of the building? And that can create a whole nother dimension in leading up to the final closing and transfer of ownership
1: great information. Um, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. I, uh, I'm coming away learning a lot of things I didn't um, realize before, and uh, I'm sure the listeners uh, would agree. Uh, just uh, for those tuning in right now, uh, I'm Michael Harrison, guest hosting today with Dottie Herman, who's a bit under the weather, but she's here, and uh, the program is live on this 9-11 morning, and uh, it is, of course, I on real estate. Steve Ebert, who's a partner at Cason & Cason LLP, is uh, a leading real estate attorney. And uh, uh, the other. Another regular expert on the program has just joined us, so I'm going to introduce uh, Ace Uh, Watanesu Parp. And he is, uh, he, 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 I've been listening to Ace for a long time on this program, and I've learned a lot from him as well, Senior Vice President, National Director of Strategic Sales at Citizen Bank. I just want to mention Citizen Bank is the supporter of this program, and they call themselves citizens because that's why the bank was founded, to help citizens, regular people like me, you, not big corporations. Citizenbank.com, keep that handy, and keep this number handy 24 800 800-922-9999 ace uh, nice to meet you. How are you
5: Good morning michael Good morning stephen and uh good morning Dottie if she 's on so she is she uh, glad is. to be here sorry i 'm a little bit late
1: well it 's good to have you here uh, It is nine eleven and um, we we have discussed a a number of things uh, that um, are are both uh, our uh, paying respects to the importance of this date and the history uh, thereof, but also how it 's uh, impacted um, Uh, real estate uh, in New York and and, and the rest of the country. Before we begin, I just want to say something personal to you. Uh, I'm up in New England and uh, have done a lot of broadcasting out of Connecticut uh, uh, over the years um, with WTIC. And um, you're kind of a legend up here. Are you aware of that because of your great basketball background?
5: (laughs) No, I I am not, Michael. I mean, I was a walk-on at UConn. Uh, many years ago, so you know, probably my my college days, definitely for sure. But wow. you know, thank you so much for that, Michael. But as it pertains to nine eleven, I live right in Tribeca, and um, you know, I still remember when nine eleven happened. It was uh, it was almost a, uh, a war zone down there, and we thought that New York City would. Would take a long time to recover, and as resilient as New York City is, you know, myself, Stephen, and Dottie, we talk about it all the time. Even with the pandemic, you know, we we think about um, economists and all of the experts saying the time the time it will take New York City to bounce back and recover. I mean, it it probably took maybe three months, and New York City recovered right away from nine eleven. The pandemic, they said it would take five years. We're seeing a lot of good signs even in today's marketplace, but. Going back to 9-11, I mean, you know, it really changed downtown. And if you bought back then, um, you know, you probably um, have heard about zip codes in Tribeca where it's probably the most highest uh, zip code in, in Manhattan right now, right? So in terms of rebounding and, and coming back, I mean, downtown has definitely been, um, it, it, I, I hate to use the word gentrification, but if you look at the Oculus Brookfield Place, you know, things are happening in the seaport, a billion dollars being put in by the city. I mean, there are some amazing things happening in Fi right now downtown, particularly, particularly all around World Trade Center. And it's always, you know, it's, it's always every year, 9-11. You know, I was driving around in the city today, and you see all these ceremonies going on in different pockets of the city, and it just reminds you of, you know, who we are, how we came together and really New York City and, and not even New York City, but the whole country coming together. So I uh, just wanted to give my my two cents on, on what's going on with nine eleven. you know it's
1: important uh, it's important it's a day that uh, we all can come together and uh, and talk about coming together because unfortunately the current crisis that we face has done the opposite it's brought us apart and that is the pandemic and a lot of people are trying to analyze what you know what's the difference between you know suddenly finding ourselves at war with a human enemy as opposed to being at war against a, a virus uh, and uh, even when uh, this thing first hit, um, I believe President Trump then, uh, he said, uh, I'm a wartime president. War usually brings people together. It hasn't done so. Let me ask you a question that I think is very important. It's a broad strokes question. What impact has the pandemic had uh, upon people's chances uh, or procedure in getting a mortgage?
5: That's a great question, Michael. I- I mean, you know, right last year, early the early pandemic, when folks were being furloughed and things were not opened, right? There were so many folks applying for the forbearance and things of that nature in regards to deferring their payments. You know, you'll be surprised. Um, probably around 6 million people applied, and there's only about 1.7 million uh, left on the forbearance list. So a dramatic decrease, which is a great sign. Um, but still one point seven million um people have um applied for the forbearance, right? So uh, you know, I, I think I think one of the biggest bright spots, believe it or not, Michael, during the pandemic was that the Federal Reserve really had to um create some liquidity um in the capital markets um I guess uh, sort of field and it really Um, really resulted in rates being at an all-time low. So if you own a home, if you're looking to refinance or if you're looking to purchase, um, the pandemic has actually helped uh, folks really um, take advantage of low rates. So folks have been refinancing, folks have been purchasing on home prices that would normally be a little bit out of their range, but because of uh, the low interest rates, it's allowed them to have low monthly payments. So it's definitely helped um, in terms of just boosting real estate and and really giving that sort of supercharge that it needs to kind of lead the way in terms of in terms of the economic recovery. But in in terms of the pandemic, you know, folks have been applying at record breaking uh, volumes, Michael, believe it or not. Right. Uh, We've seen uh, 2020 be a four trillion dollar marketplace as opposed to around two and a half, three trillion the year before and we're probably going to be pacing right around $4 trillion this year. Um, Next year, we'll definitely have somewhat of a correction, uh, just because we're thinking rates may go up a little bit, refinances may come down. So things should level off, but the last year um, until now has been uh, at an all-time high in the last 50, 60 years, Michael. Mm. So,
1: so the, whole, the whole concept of th- that dread word, the bubble, that's as uh, terrorizing to folks in the mortgage business as it is to people uh, outside of it. I mean, you have, a lot of people don't realize the banks have everything riding on the stability of the economy. Am I
5: correct? Definitely, definitely. And, and look, the default rate has been less than 1%, Michael. 1% all across the U.S., right? So, um, there's definitely a big difference between today's marketplace and 2008, 2009, when we really um, had a real estate bubble. When you know we we went into a recession, folks were getting a, a loan. If you had a pulse, right? If you remember, <laughs> you really just needed um, your you know your name and social security number, and uh, everything else was um, was was taken care of. Basically, today it's a little bit different, right? We learned from our mistakes. I think the banks are a lot more stringent in terms of guidelines. Um, credit scores you still have to have really good credit scores. your reserve requirements are you know um, put in place to make sure that you have liquidity in case of an emergency in case something happens. so there's a lot of due diligence going into mortgages today, which I think will help avoid us getting into a bubble per se, uh, Michael, although mm-hmm. a lot of folks are talking about a bubble because of the resurgence uh, resurgence in in appreciation prices, especially if you're looking in the suburbs where there's bidding wars um, because of inventory, right? But I think because there's responsible lending behind it, um, us having a chance to go into a bubble will be less likely than what we saw in 2008 and 2009, if that makes any sense. Makes a lot of
2: sense. There's a huge demand. The millennials believe in home ownership and they're the largest segment of the market. They're at the age where they're having children, and so they're looking to buy. They believe in home ownership, and since the pandemic, um, and probably, you know, we think people will not have to work in the office every day. People want more space. They can live a little bit further, and um, one of the trends that I see um, is where people have a second home within driving distance, and this is all over the country where they're in the city, but they, you know, can get to some suburb outside of the city, and that's like in L.A. also. And um, they're kind of not having a second home. It's kind of like having two homes equally, because you can spend the same amount of time as you can in, you know, in your city home. So it's like people sometimes are just having two homes, and I see the rise of second homes um, as another trend that's going to continue.
1: One of the things that uh, I've Dottie, noticed, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to jump in there. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is uh, that a lot of people, because they don't want to fly as much now as they did perhaps five years ago, are having that second home driving distance from exactly. their first home as opposed to exactly, airplane. Michael. Ace, uh, you were going to say?
5: No, I was just going to agree with you, Michael. Um, so, you know, it's, it's we've seen a huge trend. Uh, Dottie's right. You're right, Michael. We've seen a huge Um, increase and and just a huge surplus right in in terms of the the demand in second homes i mean that marketplace our construction to perm product has been basically um our number one product right now because so many folks are looking to, to buy in the suburbs and build something that that's their own right and I think okay. when you talk about the millennials, Dottie... Oh, I we're going to take
1: a break, Ace. We're, gonna, we're, coming up on the, we're coming up on the news and uh, break, and we're going to come back with a second hour. Uh, Steve, Ace, Dottie, and uh, Peter Conte, uh, insurance information will be with us. And uh, we've got a lot of information coming your way on this 9-11 installment of the program. I'm Michael Harrison, guest hosting with Dottie Herman, and this is Ion Real Estate.
0: Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank, NA.